We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Thursday afternoon, I have Britt Robson of MinPost joining me for today's episode. Britt, you wrote an article this morning uh, titled, The Wolves Look to Make Their Closing Argument That They Are, Yes, Pretty Damn Good. And I want to I wanna start with uh, one paragraph from that story that that ties to to Carl Anthony Towns because I think it really I don't know if it summed up what everybody else has been thinking about Cat in this time but it, it struck it struck a chord with me and it's when you talked about how it's your bias to kind of discredit things like the three-point performance or a one game uh 60 point game of just kind of noise over the course of the season but I really liked in the following paragraph you described why that actually matters. So for, for readers who haven't yet read this article, why do things like the three-point contest and a 60-point game matter? Well, I think because Cat um, needs ratification or needed ratification. Uh, and I just think that um, if you look at what happened, you know, he came into the league first couple of years, he was regarded by GMs as the guy to have among everybody. Um, but Flip Saunders died before, after he drafted him. Sam Mitchell, Tibbs in that era, um, you know, the Jimmy hazing, uh, you know, then Rosas and uh, Ryan, his bosom buddy, but, you know, somewhat callow bosom buddy. And, you know, it, it just got to be this thing where, um, he, everybody knows a cat is a people pleaser at heart, but some of that comes from wanting it in return. You know, I mean, he's just somebody who wants ratification and for all his talent and all his skills. And, oh, by the way, I forgot about, you know, the COVID grief of, you know, losing family members, including his mother, all the stuff that he endured and the props I have always given him when I've given him props have not been about who he is as a human being. It's been about the tough stuff he's kind of weathered through, which I regard as like the more admirable, you know, the stuff that's worthy of respect is that, you know, 
cat could, it seems like cat could always shoot. It seems like cat could get, you know, right. a bucket whenever he wanted to. That was almost like if you have a great singing voice, you know, I mean, it is who you are, you right, know, you right, don't right. necessarily yeah. have to. And so to see cat extend beyond himself to, to come out and say, you know, I could guard people on the perimeter, you know, uh, and, you know, me among other people going, Oh yeah, sure you can. And, <laughs> and lo and behold, you know, Finch, who's one of Finch's great strengths as a coach is finding out what players want and seeing if he can give it to them. And he thought, you know, given the, the team we have and given Kat's performance on drop in the past, maybe let's try him at the level and let's try him being able to chase people a certain extent out on the perimeter and everything. And lo and behold, it worked. And then on the other hand, telling Cat to, you know, get in shape, get lighter and quicker. It kind of seemed counterintuitive given the position he's playing. And, and it his miniature worked. teammates. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And 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 he still when push comes to shove, as happened, you know, in the uh drop game against uh, uh San Antonio when they were eating them alive is that they just don't have the size to compete with bruisers, even now. But Cat does it because he's the only man left. You know, he's the only one that right. really can do it. Um, and when you watch Nas Reader, Nate Knight play, you see, hey, you know, Cat's got his demerits that way, but he's the best they have by a, by a fur piece. And so all that wrapped up into what I choose to emphasize with cat are the dirty work things are the 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 justification for defense the commitment he's had to defense and even i think he still has a tendency to lose it sometimes if he doesn't think he's getting the right whistle but i think he's curbed that some and for the most part he's also tried to cut down on the offensive fouls so all that stuff is stuff that i think i'm giving him his due but what does cat lap up what does cat say all right you know finally people appreciate me it's like when he wins a three-point contest that everybody you know around the nation is saying hey he really you know he is a great long-range shooter or you know getting 60 points and doing the, the will like thing with 60 instead of 100 and having teammates douse him with water and i mean all that is cat getting what he wants as opposed to what I and maybe some other people who have more of a cynical bent or have more of a different approach to what, you know, you want to give somebody as props out of the game. Um, and he's finally getting the right teammates, you know, a guy like Pat Bev who legitimately has his back. Pat Bev is the modern day version of KG, Jimmy Butler, or whatever you want to call it. The or, guy, or, who, as, or as Kat said last night, this team's Draymond. That's what exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was actually a really cool comparison. I thought too. You know, accurate. Given, yeah, yeah, exactly. The mouth and the wisdom at the same time. Yeah. So having all that kind of support, a coach that listened to him, uh, players that have his back, players that celebrate him. You know, there was talk earlier in the year, maybe it's time to move on from Cat. Here comes Ant, you know, Ant suddenly reversing course or maybe just acknowledging, hey, Cat's the guy right now yeah. or whatever. D'Lo calling him a unicorn. These are the kinds of things that I think 
have instilled in Cat a different way of looking at himself. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he has raised the level of his game a significant step since the All-Star break. I think he's, uh, I thought Finch had a great comment, which I quoted in the paper about how one of the reasons he's getting calls is because he's finishing rather than trying to milk a foul. Mm-hmm. And that is how you get the call, you know? Um, and so, and, you know, going hard, uh, j- just, it's it feels different with Cat right now. And it feels like, uh, I used to get the impression that when Cat tried to be a vocal leader, he didn't, it didn't take with his teammates. And I can just tell by the way his teammates are regarding him now. And, you know, tone tone centers like Pat Bev, you know, standing behind him, endorsing him, that he's in a place now where um, it was just, I think, our last podcast we had where I was saying, it's kind of one of the things I'm really interested in seeing is how Cat performs under pressure once we start to get into these types of things. And I still, I still, I mean, I think the jury is still out on that. And I'm still fascinated to think about that, but I like the prospect of it more than I did even just a week ago, Be- just because of the way he's talking about. He's using the word "dominate" a lot, and it doesn't feel doesn't feel weird or cringy like watching uh, gorillas wrestle or whatever the hell it was. You know, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's- do you? Um, uh, so, I've only covered. The only team I've ever covered is the Timberwolves, and every year I've covered them, their best player has been, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, and right. and so this is this is the only exposure I have to like whatever to, if you want to call it a relationship or like uh-huh. the way you watch a, a best player, and I don't have anything else to compare it against, but you know I I do follow the rest of the league, and I just know that the way Cat operates on camera like just on the floor, the awareness of the camera is different than other star players. The The way he conducts his interviews is different than other star players. And and the things that he said, he vocally says matters is different than what other star players seem to say because he has like no shame in saying exactly. the three-point contest is a big deal. He He has no shame in like, he's got like, the bullet points of his top 10 career achievements, like tattooed into his brain and he'll rattle them off. Cause he'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm getting these water bottle showers now from D'Lo and Ant. But when I had 56 against Atlanta this other time, or when, when we, we won this game this other time, like I never got the recognition. It was and like he, he got shunned rather than just yeah. ignored. You know, and, I mean, being ignored was like being shunned to him. And that's what I mean about, Mm-hmm. Uh, the sensitivity. And so I do think that while that may be at one point, if not a flaw, at least a need that wasn't being fulfilled without adjustment. Now the flip side is he's getting what he wants. And so he's getting a boost that these guys who have eliminated that from their personalities yep. are not getting. Well, you know? Brent, he, this is, he was all he is this way. He can't not care about right. these things. He is who he is. And yeah. that's finally, but but you know what? He, I know, I'm saying it's a team. fine thing. It, it's just and now it, he has teammates. 
And it was great to hear him say about two or three weeks ago, I'm tired of trying to be something I'm not. I'm just going to be who I am from now on. And that was a breath of fresh air, too, because it made sense. He didn't sound like somebody who was himself sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where, again, part of his stuff comes in. You know, I mean, the, the the cringy statements that I go for 2080 balls, you know, he says that unironically. He says, unironically, I give all my credit to my teammates and I take all the blame. You know, I mean, these things that are like self-abnegation, the, the words cancel themselves out as they leave his mouth. Well, and so, you also know it; they're not what he actually believes. Exactly. That's about him saying that sort of stuff is about as accurate or as honest as Pat Bev's commentary on Russell Westbrook last night, yeah, where he yeah. showered him with praise and all this sort of stuff. Like it's a tactic. <laughs> it's a tactic, right. you know, and it wasn't in a different way. It was, it was a tactic right. with cat. And right. that's what I always like ran into is like, uh, this, like this cookie cutter, it doesn't fit. Like it, it doesn't fit the dough. You and know? Not only that, but it's a tactic that came from a place of defense. He was in a defensive posture Good about point. things. And now it's like, you know, why did Jace asked them last night, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press, why did you decide, you know, why did you do it that way in the fourth quarter or something? He looked over at him and he said to dominate, you know, and he was dead serious. You know, Th that wouldn't have come out if, if that would have come out of Cat before it would have right. it would have required embellishment after that, you know, which Cat, you know, was fairly terse about that, you know. And so. I just, the purpose of today's column was me waking up and saying, you know, they just hit the top level of my span on wins this year. I had them between 35 and 41. There's 11 games to go when they've hit it, you know. Right. Um, in the past, when I've had like a span, and I could see that, you know, they're going to have trouble reaching my low number. <laughs> I, I reassess. I say, you know, what, what am I getting wrong about this team? Or, or should I begin to re look at this team in a different way? Their performance is compelling me to look at them in a different way. And when they've been shitty and I thought they would be not as shitty, I have to go, well, why have they been worse than I expected? So this is the flip side. Doesn't happen very often, but we're in one of those magical years where even though yeah. on, on the curve, I would say I was relatively optimistic, I did not give this team its due, or if I did, it was readjustments along the way. So now I'm saying, um, why not, instead of saying, I don't think they're going to get to X, say this is what they need to do to get to x they have a better chance of getting to x than i would have thought before why don't i just take an approach of not hey they're going to get to x but why not they they have a decent shot at at making a run now if if you put a gun to my head i will say i think they'll wind up with a seven seed i don't think they'll catch denver and i don't think they'll catch utah and dallas but I think a lot of that has to do with Utah, Dallas, and Denver, as much as it has to do with the Wolves. And I think that they are putting forth a good effort. And I think that this team 
has got some got some things about it, and I mentioned three of them in, in the column that the cat being one of them, the sea change in cat. But if you can score with the the torrential bouts that this team could score, we can't, we take it for granted now. You know, yeah. you know this the the things I've covered this team for over thirty years for at least 20 of them and probably 25 they couldn't play defense and they couldn't shoot from outside those are like just two things that were just verities with this franchise for sure you know and this year you know since january 4th they're third in the nba in three-point shooting percentage everybody knows they shoot a ton they 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 try a ton and they make a ton but Volume aside, they're third in accuracy, and everybody knows the more you shoot, the more you're cheating your accuracy. So they're they're an elite three point shooting team. You know the Minnesota Timberwolves are an elite three point shooting team. They've got two or three guys coming off the bench that shoot better than forty percent, and they've got at least one starter, maybe two, that shoot very well from outside. Uh, you know that's a lot of firepower from deep. I, I was thinking about how, like, even a month ago, we were, we're and the team was already on the, the pattern, right, of the no, number one offense since January 1st. Those right. things had already kind of been coming to shape. But because Anthony Edwards wasn't himself and because the defense had fallen off, like, I, I felt like the collective belief was that the floor of this is kind of flimsy, that they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're having success, but it, it's because Ant isn't there and because the defense isn't there, keeping maintaining that ground, you know, wasn't a sure thing. But now I think like the floor is actually established and Ant getting back to where he was and the defense getting back to where it was instead, like hints at the ceiling of this team. You know what right. I'm saying? And yeah. that's. That's a pretty big difference, you know, because yes, exactly. the floor is pretty good. Well, I mean, it literally is half empty or half full. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's right, like, right. you know, it's all of a sudden saying, hey, wait a minute now. Uh, the worst case scenario is actually a lot better than right. we imagined. And uh, so, yeah, I agree. And I also think that... Um, they don't need – I actually thought that my enjoyment – I love this team the first six weeks of the season. I just love to watch them play. And, everybody, you know, you and I both do this. We both watch a lot of league pass, and we adopt teams just because we, we find ourselves charmed by their games. Yeah. Well, almost always that doesn't include the Timberwolves, you know. <laughs> And this year, I I gotta say, you know, I mean, if I was, you know, covering the Mavs as a beat writer, the Timberwolves would be one of my favorite watchers on TV. You know, and totally. that even, I had never thought of it that way, but it's totally and, yeah. It, and I, even without the defense, I mean, it's like the defense is hit or miss now. Let's face it; every now and then, you know, if the offense has a clunker game, it merely means that they're an average offense. If the defense has a clunker game, it means that they're in trouble, you know? And so, but the offense has been 
extremely entertaining because the cast of characters keeps spinning. I mean, it's different guys for two or three game stretches. Beasley shoots lights out and has for a long time, but is dominant for a couple of games. Noel, dominant for a game or two. Nas pulls a game out of his ass that's great, you know? Um, you know who they would remind got... me of, Britt? Along those lines, um, and in terms of like our pet favorite team, it reminds me of the Thunder the year that they had Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because... they had a lot of guys. Great. Because I, I really, I was really into that yeah, team, for one, that team. for right, one reason right. or the other. And it, it, it was, it was similar because I, I'm actually a, a big Chris Paul fan, but like right, widespread too. Chris Paul's kind of a tough hang for a lot of people. And I think in a very different sort of way, again, out, outside of Minnesota, I think Cat's kind of a tough hang for some yeah, other people. Yeah, I agree. You know, and. Because and so they haven't caught up to what we've caught up to. Right, right, right. But it. So there's like those tent poles are kind of similar. Plus, remember how that that uh, that Thunder team like didn't really care about positional distinctions. They would play Chris Paul, Shea right. Gilgis Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder all together. And yeah, and, you love that three guard lineup, and it well, was killer. It was killer. Yeah, and it just as I've started to think more about the the Jaden McDaniel's injury. One reason I'm less concerned about it is that they've been messing around and doing weird-ass lineups all year with positional right. versatility, just like the Thunder with their three-guard right. thing. They're like, well, whatever. We'll play Dennis Schroeder at small forward. Well, the right, Wolves have done right. that all season. Like, Yeah, Malik Beasley. Well, I mean, small forward. Or last night. like, I, right. I'm a weirdo with tracking the substitution patterns, but it's like the amount of time... It's coming really handy. I mean, think of how much it's changed. If somebody wasn't charting this, I'm, I'm at sea sometimes. I mean, you tell me about, you know, rotation changes that are C changes. You know, I kind of wish I had been tracking it all along because I didn't realize how important it was going to be. It's very important. Well, it's a, the reason I did it was because the biggest issue that I like, not that the the Wolves had high expectations last year, maybe like their expect whatever their expectations, like 30 wins or something. I think a big reason they didn't meet that is because finding a rotation was really that was one of i think ryan saunders biggest weaknesses mm -hmm. um, and maybe you know the, the person not that he had a great personnel to be able to do that but i just saw a bunch of like man okay now ed davis has to come in you know it was just like right it right. was it was pretty traditional and like one backup for the other and that sort of way and and now what you and you, you don't know how many of those moves were you know the hand in his back you know right. the puppet <laughs> totally. you know. Ed Davis might not have been but Jared Culver certainly <laughs> was <laughs> no but it's it's interesting now like like Cap picked up his fourth foul in the third quarter last night and Malik Beasley checks into the game for him right right you know like that's just like again turn on league pass normally with Yotis Valanciunas picks up his fourth foul in the third quarter. Devontae Graham Jackson doesn't come H. into the game. Right, you know, right, it's right, like, right, so there's right. just been this like sliding malleability of the, of the Wolves roster the whole season. I think in that, I didn't have this type of expectations for this team. And a lot of that was founded in, I have no idea how you're going to be able to balance this roster out, how you're going to be able to rotate it. I think that's been one of the greatest strengths of Chris Finch this year and is why this team, I, I think, is prepared to handle an injury right now better than they better than you might think otherwise when you have Jaden McDaniels, who is a very unique player. Right. 
um, that isn't directly replaceable. You go, shit, we don't have anybody to replace Jade McDaniels. Well, no, we'll just sprinkle it. Like, right. we're going to play Jalen Noel at small forward sometimes. We're going to, you right. know, it, it'll be Torian Prince. Jared Vanderbilt's going to take LeBron for a while. You know, they, they're mixing it up in a way that doesn't feel desperate, I guess. And none of that is possible if the coaches and the players didn't do the groundwork of getting into like a real chemistry yeah. accountability type thing where, um, you know, Torian Prince could have checked out in December and totally. that would have in, in retrospect would have been a huge blow for this team. We wouldn't even know it was a blow, you know, <laughs> and instead we have the bonus that we know is a bonus, you know, a guy that I was ready to ship off for a second round pick, you know, around Christmas time. You know, all of a sudden this guy, uh, and then we find out from Nas that he's also like the sensei of the bench unit, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just, Chris Finch, um, I, I laid off it today because I'm tired of just beating the drum for the guy. I mean, I really think he's a great coach. And this has been arguably the best Wolves coaching performance in franchise history. It's right up there. Um, in terms of what he had to work with and what he's gotten out of it, um, you know, is this is going to be at least a 45-win team and probably close to a 50-win team. Uh, you know, look at the roster. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty good. It you is. Know? Um, let's uh, let's mix a quick break in here, Britt, and then I want to let's talk a little bit about the McDaniel's injury. Today's show is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions. As I mentioned before, 20 by 20 Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success. Whether it's technology, workflow, platform architecture, or more, they'll help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction, providing support and conversation to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound the Timberwolves grab this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. That's 20x20solutions.com slash begin to install the ScoreSide app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season. 20x20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson of MinPost discussing this column he wrote on the Wolves today and how they're just kind of kind of hard to argue that they're not a good team at, at, at this point of the season. Um, and and I, embrace it. Right. You know, right. that's the point. You know, I mean, that, the thing. You becoming the, the positive voice in the Wolves <laughs> I know. fan base is still weird to me. It is kind of weird, you know. <laughs> and, and and in some ways, I like being Good contrary. So, so, the fact, so the fact that, yeah, that, uh, that there's some people. Uh, I, I tweeted out something after the column just basically saying, you know, they're second in offensive rating, they're second defensive rating, first in net rating, and first in one loss since the All-Star break. You know, embrace now or forever hold your peace. And people, you know, immediately fire, oh, net rating, you know, ah, look at all the blowouts and uh, 
And there are, there's all kinds of arguments, you know, to be made as to why you should hedge your bet, you know, and sure, if you got money on it, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're putting, you know, resources you don't have into it, hedge it. <laughs> but all, all, all I can say is, you know, if your psychic resources are so depleted that you can't allow yourself the satisfaction of enjoying competence right. from a franchise that has given you way too little of it recently. And, and some of the people who pushed back on me, I finally, it's, it can be, you guys remind me, this is the perspective of uh, people who were bitching about the Wolves not getting out of the first round in the KG era. Oh, you know, six straight years. We've never gotten out of the first round. We're running in place, you know. We, we should tear it down and build it up. Well, you know, a playoff appearance and a, you know, a competitive first round series looks pretty good right now. You know? Well, I think, Britt, like, also to, to that point, like, what do you, what do you want the Wolves to do? Like, you want them to, tear, like, what's the alternative? tear this down you don't like this group well this is your young group you know so it's not like it's not like the wolves have all their chips in the middle and like they've right. pushed them in in the ceiling of what all those like chips, they have no options right yeah it could be 45 wins like no this is the first year like this is the first year of it i i mean they i mean i think they'll probably get into the playoffs playoffs via play-in or the six seed but they're probably right. not going to win their series um, no, I think there'll be a first round exit. I mean, yeah. it'd be great if they weren't, but I think and it'd be a first round exit. So it's it's positivity through that lens in the sense exactly. that, like, still acknowledging that, I mean, this team is this team is nowhere close to the night in and night out competence and effectiveness of a team like the Phoenix Suns. Like that is, or a, like choose a half a dozen teams in the NBA. And even if the even but that's if like the win, level. That's the level you like. What right? You know, yeah. I, they're I don't not have... the best team in the NBA, and yeah, they're, and they're even also they don't four. have, and they also don't have the uh, ceiling. I mean, their ceiling right now is not a top eight ceiling. No. They will have to change to be a top eight team. Um, but part of that some of the change, reasons. part of that change, will be a product of what has transpired this season what happens in the playoffs, like that is part of the growth process as much exactly. as it is eventually trading for a power forward or eventually and, adding to the group. And by the way, there will be growth in value. Even if those guys who you, you know, they won't stick around. The person you trade will be more valuable than he was six months ago. Yeah. You know? Go down the list. Who's, who's trade value on the wolves. It's the client. Right. Josh Okogie. Um, right yeah that's pretty much it yeah that is it i mean who so you get like uh the 14th pick in the second round instead of the third pick in the second round <laughs> yeah no so it's it's just it's moving in, in in the macro it's it's moving in the the right direction which that's why like my sense of this is one it's just like as a human been more fun um, right so, like, uh, for me, like, enjoy the fun of that, but also enjoy the fun. Exactly. But also know that, like, fun is not guaranteed here going forward. There's a bunch of stuff that's about to happen with this team over the next 
five years on the floor, off the floor, all those sort of things. Like there's a world, you know, not to be like looking through right. the dark shadows, but where we're looking back at 2021-22 season and being like, man, that was the quickening that. is always yeah. fun. Talk have a heart to heart talk with the Sixers fans or a net fan right now <laughs> and ask them how much they've enjoyed this season. You know? And you don't get complaints as much as you'll get huzzahs, you know? And, or, and or those not teams, even just those teams have really legitimate ceiling. Talk yeah. to the Hawks, you know, who went to the conference finals last year, you know? Right. Um, and so it isn't, you know, it's like they say in the stock market, you know, you know, future <laughs> guaranteed. There's no guarantee of future yeah. returns based on the past. So all the more reason to just appreciate what's there, you know. Mm. And when I'm down on a team, I've been down on Wolves teams, you know, more than most in in rigorous times. And part of it is I've been around long enough to see um, where the organization is repeating silly mistakes or mm. hanging on too long because they don't want to concede that they were wrong about something um, or they're just hypocrites or they were just dumb. You know, all of that applies at various times. But along the way, I mean, I was never a guy that was bemoaning not getting out of the first round. I wrote a lot about how they are trying to take that next step, but I never said, you know, ah, well, you know, this is ridiculous, you know, right. or it's time. Let's I never thought I, I, I never thought it's time to trade KG. I never thought that, you know? Mm. Um, and so you do have to, Whenever everybody rags on Glenn Taylor, I would always say, hey, you kept this team here. You know, you always need to have, why are you watching the games? I'm watching the games because I love good basketball. Um, if I see the team I cover playing good basketball, yeah, there's going to be a part of me because I've seen so much bad basketball from this team, kind of half expecting it to go south. But when it doesn't for a, enough period of time as it has so far this year, it gets to the point where your attitude is getting in your way. Right. You know, sit there. We're lucky enough to sit there, walk into the arena, sit in our place, get all these stats at our fingertips, go talk to coaches and players and watch what this team does, you know, on a on a two or three times a week minimum basis. That's a great job. And it's made better when the team is good. So, uh, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you have a good attitude when you're being given the game you love being played in a way you should like? Right. It, it's been funny this year too. I, I don't know if they have like more players on the roster or if they like shrink, shrunk. <laughs> the amount the amount of seats on the bench but like the bench spills over into like literally directly it stands in, front in of your us. way yeah yeah i just don't like it but it, it you know and i think everyone's been able to see this with some of like the viral videos of pat bev like shooting the cannon and stuff but 
Pat Bev stands there doing crazy shit the whole game, every game. He's been right, doing that right. the whole year. Delo sits on that bike there, right, right, right in front of it, and it's been, it's been really informative to me. I mean, not all the like Delo says some stuff during the game <laughs> that I'm like, ooh, if I tweeted this, that would go viral. <laughs> but you right, know, it's exactly. just like, um, it, it's been whatever they've been building themselves into. It's been happening since training camp. It's yes. been happening since like the the first day. And, and even I just go back to these little things. Like I remember the the very first preseason game of the season. Delo's on the bike and he's waving at the fans to get louder and louder and stuff like and it was all this like it was this little seed of the whole Delo thing this whole year, right? Right. Where he's right. like, um, you know, obviously then people saw him calling out the fans. He called out the fans a lot of times sitting on that bike. Right. Prior to calling them out publicly on Twitter, you know, and right, right. and you know, and, and more or even in the him. press conference, the quiet ass thing he said to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that was the thing that really was the catalyst for this whole, you know, don't sit down thing. And then and now, like, but look at the look at what's happened since. Right, there was right. last night. I mean, it was that was it was full in there on a on a Wednesday evening right. last night and before the game, like when they're about to announce like starting lineups. Delo like looked up at the fans like right over my head where I was and he like nodded in approval you know he was like all right like yeah this is what I wanted this is what I maybe a third of them are LeBron James stands but even so you know yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree that's, that's, whatever it's loud that's all he cares about okay right. the McDaniels the McDaniels bit um I I haven't really had the chance to to go all that into the McDaniels injury I kind of don't know if there's like a really deep well to even get into here. He's not. I fear the worst. Well, no, no, no. I mean that I'm talking more in terms of replacing him, but yeah, maybe we should start with that. I, I think the expectation, I'm not saying this is what it will be, but if I was a Wolves fan, how I would be expecting this to go is he is out for the rest of the regular season and potentially back for the playoffs. Two weeks. Um, is a reevaluation time. Exactly. Not, we know what that's like. How yeah. often do they go, oh, hey, we just reevaluated him and he's, he's ready to go tomorrow? No, <laughs> no it, it's going to be, I think, best case, what it'll be is the reevaluation will happen and they'll say, start him on a rehab. Right. Yeah. He's ramping up one to two more weeks and two more weeks from that point will be the end of the season. So, I, I just think that's the healthy lens to, to, to look at this. And high ankle sprains are a bitch. I mean, they are could roll it again really super easy chronic. once he gets back. Yeah, for sure. Um, but w- only one game thus far of what it's going to look like without him. Um, man, the guy we were just talking about before, Torian Prince, like he, in his own way, I think he's going to fit that role that Jaden had been taking very well. And it'll be bits and pieces elsewhere. Um Feeling in too because Prince still has his old job in addition right. to cutting into those right. you know 27 minutes a night that McDaniels was playing but I don't think you lose all that much when it when it's well I, I I I think you lose um I think you lose the ability to be an on ball defender and to help defender at the same time I think that McDaniels is That's quicker fair. that's a good than point. Prince on defense. Um, but Prince is Prince is legit on ball, like just square a bigger. Wing. I agree. I agree. And he also is smart. He's very smart. 
Um, I think he probably has more wisdom at this point than McDaniels, who is a student of the game, but is still very young. Um, but I do think that what McDaniels began to show, and it is kind of a shame that he, he got hurt oh, yeah. now because he I was mean, awesome. He, but it, it was the story was of taking, the last month. Yes. I agree. I agree. He was really him and Beasley Beasley. Yeah, true, Beasley's true. numbers are just insane, but we'll get into him in a minute. <laughs> um, but it's like McDaniels, first of all, Finch loves him. So mm -hmm. anything that was going to be happening, McDaniels is gonna really be a big part of it. And did you see did you see like the I don't know if you've gone back and rewatched the injury like on the broadcast? But what happens is they I don't know why I'm laughing at this. This is mean. But like he rolls his, they show the replay of him rolling his ankle. You know it's bad, and immediately right. the camera goes to Chris Finch, and he's just chugging a bottle, his bottle of water. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so fitting. He loves that kid, you know. He's just like, right, right. Might as well have been whiskey. Wish it were vodka, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so yes, I think I think Finch will, uh, you know, that will ail him. Um, because that right. versatility we're talking about, the thunder thing, the being able right. to play different positions. Jane McDaniels unlocked so much of that because as the seasons progressed, he's even become more competent as a big. Like, yeah, they've been as long as it's uh, and, and they I think the whole switching and mm. the flexibility yep. of the wall has helped him. That's true. Um, um, because I do think that at the end of the day, you just can't teach Braun and. Uh -huh. Smart teams, you know, will still go through it. But the, to your greater point, um, Torian Prince has been a pro here. Torian Prince, yep. if and when, you know, I think it's still better than 50-50. He's not on the team next year. And I think that if and when he leaves, uh, he will leave as somebody who is respected and liked by this like fan Taj base. Gibson. Not quite. I mean, Taj is a too it's too big of a, a, too high of energy. Well, too high just, of bar. You me. just love Taj. But <laughs> I think Taj is the Taj is the best locker room guy I've ever covered. Yeah. You know, but I uh, that said, I, that doesn't mean that just because he's not Taj doesn't mean that mm -hmm. Torian Prince isn't what you're saying, which is somebody who really right. has been good for this team. He has been better for this team in ways we did not expect. Um, right. And to your point, last night, the two threes he shot from either corner within like a two-minute span, third quarter, were, yeah. those were the baskets that chased the final run mm -hmm. of the Lakers. Their Lakers didn't have a lot of heart that had to be cut out, but they did have a pulse then. Yeah. And they were starting to entertain the idea that they may want to try and win the game. And um, I think those two threes were were early daggers daggers that had them bleed out rather than necessarily right. you know daggers to end the game but i i um, think and, i think that's the like that's the extra you get of prince versus mcdaniels you get a significantly better three-point shooter better three-point shooter especially deep in the corner right. he knows how to get deep in that corner hmm. and um that's a harder shot i think if you're like uh two feet Away from the baseline, I think you, you for some reason you might have a better look at the basket or something. But his, if you notice, his threes are corner threes, 
And I think that might be harder to close out to. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, but it, it strikes me that not everybody shoots those deep corner trees. Right. And, you know, I, I think the difference on the other close to the corner, I, I think the difference of where you offensively you'll feel uh, McDaniel's missing is he started playing in the dunker spot a lot more mm-hmm. yeah. um, recently just because he'd started playing four more often. McDaniel's minutes had gone down. So McDaniel's was playing there. And with Jaden in the dunker spot, I mean, he's almost seven foot tall. That's a that's right. a drop off. And he's springy. He's at the rim dunking it in a split second. Now, if Torian Prince is in the dunker spot and he catches it like eight feet from the hoop and he wants to go smaller and slower, right? He's got to go power dribble. Defender comes through and he's got to go up and through them. I mean, Jaden had a couple of super quick twitch, fast dunks from the from the dunker spot for this team recently that I think was really, you know, it, it was making a difference because it adds additional pressure to the painted area of the floor where. So much of the time this season, that has been completely disregarded by opponents as at all a threat, the right. four and the dunker spot. And I think getting those dunks improved his confidence on finesse layups. Mm. I mean, he has become a lot better at um, – he's got really long arms, and he goes around people uh, – you know, one of those guys that takes his arm and moves it around the outstretched arms of the defenders and yet still has the touch yeah. to flip it in. I, I did. He, he did not have that in his game, no. you know, until he began to go up in traffic against people. And I think once you start to regard a spot on the floor as one of your scoring zones, I think you began to work, work it mentally as well as physically in terms of this is my spot here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he's just a, he's a lot better inside of six feet. I can't imagine he was. In fact, I know he wasn't very good at it. He was almost strictly a catch and shoot guy last year. Right. I, I think the uh, the thing that pops that people will say will be missing without McDaniel's, and this is true, is you know his ability to guard the the primary wing creator on the on the other team. And the Wolves have a stretch of needing those you know, coming up that uh, Chris Middleton yep. on Saturday, then it's Luca on Monday, then it's Devin Booker, then it's Luca again. And, and yes, like it would be good to be able to put Jaden McDaniels on those guys. But I think it's also important to remember that the Wolves do have other guys who are, can guard big wings on this team. Yep. I yep. feel like it's a, it's a very underlooked, underrated part of Jared Vanderbilt's game. I remember yes. like, and th- this has been for a while now. I remember like last year when he was kind of getting like garbage minutes or the whole season was kind of garbage. And actually I remember Vanderbilt guarding LeBron in a game last season. And I was like, you know, physically about the same like height and length and stuff as him. I was like, Jared Vanderbilt would be the type of player that at the trade deadline, a team, a team would trade for to get right. to guard Kevin Durant in the playoffs or LeBron in the playoffs, that type of exactly. guy. Exactly. Like Vanderbilt has that, Skill set in in his package. The problem is who takes Vanderbilt's normal spot. And I guess if I were to your point, though, recently, you could backfill, you could flip him and Prince, and Prince Mm -hmm. plays the the old fashioned four, while Vando plays the combo four that that McDaniel's role is. Um, 
Of course, against a team like Milwaukee, it all goes out the window. Well, that's what I was going to say. Milwaukee, I was thinking, mm-hmm. or like Memphis, it's like, okay, you want to put Vanderbilt on jaw because he's their primary wing creator. Well, but, now if you do that. Who's got Triple J, right? Exactly, right. exactly. You're, you're, you're too small to do that on the back end. So that's why I think in those situations, why it's not just Vanderbilt. They have other options to go to. In the Memphis right. matchup or Phoenix coming up matchup, they have that physicality inside. So you've got to keep Vando back on right. a big but and you gotta have i mean pat bev did a great job on booker in the playoffs right well and ant did a good job on book that's why i was gonna go with it is ant that's you can right. put ant on right. Ja. you point. can put ant on booker there and keep vanderbilt right. back in the back end so it's who are you hiding deal on then? on miles bridges is that michael bridges i always missed that yeah mccall that was bridges McCall. Is- yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah probably but i mean phoenix is just a great team so they don't have they yeah. don't have hiding spots, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, right. um, so that like that 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 was already going to be an issue with McDaniel's or without McDaniel's because Delo's going right. to be on the floor. My my broader point is that it's like it really helps that they have Patrick Beverly who can be an on ball defender that they have Jared Vanderbilt who can be an on ball defender and Anthony Edwards is becoming that so long as there aren't screens and. Pitch baited and switched it last night, but you have Okogi if you want to throw him in. That. Man, I mean <laughs> that dude. Oh, Josh Okogi's probably going to I mean, Okogi heard that, you know. Yeah, we're going to go with Josh. And then <laughs> in he comes with uh, uh, Jake Lehman and Leandro Bomero for a minute two or something, you know. I just wrote, that was, I wrote in my notes last night at, at halftime, no Josh, LOL. You know, it's just like, because he right, said, he right. goes, well, we'll play Josh Okogi. He'll do that. No, you right, won't. Right. And, yeah. But but that is even a further point of the depth of like, exactly. you don't need yeah. to go to Josh Akogi because you have Vanderbilt, because you have Beverly, because you have Ant, who can capably guard the ball. I might put Okogi on Luca just for the fouls, to be honest with you, because Luca will try to draw fouls. And if he does, uh, Okogi will make him earn those fouls. I mean, Luca will have to work really hard. True. The thing about Okogi, if Okogi is on you, regardless of whether or not you ultimately quote unquote win the matchup, right? You know, you win, you win, you get past his defense, you will be tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is he is nonstop. And so <laughs> I I kind of like the idea of um maybe not starting Okogi, but definitely in Luca's second rotation at least. Getting him, him some time, yeah. Just wearing him down, you know. You got to. I know he's he's slowly gotten into shape, and he obviously is playing marvelous basketball right now. And people seem to have forgotten that, like he's at at worst a top eight player in the NBA right now. Well, he he's um, uh, he's a guy that you double on the perimeter now, and there are very yeah. few guys like that. And and we haven't actually I, we haven't seen the Wolves do that ever this season. But I think not in these, very often, in right, these two right. Dallas matchups. It's valuable. To Curry, have two they, of did those Curry. they did Curry. They did Curry. That's true. I guess I'm thinking of the traditional like big wing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the scores or, or the the non creators, yeah. right? Right. So if you put like Pat Bev on Luca and you're sending Josh as the scrambling second up there, yeah. like right. if you're going to double Luca on the perimeter, which I think they probably have to do, get the ball out of his hands. You right. got to have guy. You have to have that second guy be able to come over quick, rotate back equally quick because. Now you're right. playing four on three on the on the backside. But 
I, I think that is the time where, I, to me, it would make sense to play Josh. So you and I are putting in Okogi on Monday night. We'll see if Finch does it. <laughs> uh, Brett, let's, let's mix in one more break here, and then uh, right. we'll wrap up with the final segment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. All right, we are back again with Britt Robson of MIMPOST final segment here today on the pod. Uh, Britt, it doesn't seem real. There's only like, I don't know why, it just hit me last night. I was like, oh, the season's almost over. Like there's only 11 right. games left in it. I think I think maybe part of it has been me wanting to convince myself that there's enough time for them to catch somebody in the five yeah. or six seed. Yeah. Then I'm looking at it last night. I'm like, oh, man. 71 games in and you're still three behind Dallas and still one and a half behind Denver season's almost over. You know, you're right. You're running out of time there. And so I think the last 11 are, you know, academically intriguing for the idea that they could uh, pursue one of those sort of teams. I'll keep talking about it. We'll keep tracking it. But beyond that, like the final 11 games of the season are going to be interesting because outside of a three game stretch against Houston, San Antonio and Washington. Eight Three of, of the last four games of the season. Yeah, right? but eight of these final 11 games are against teams over 500 and actually and the discernibly next seven. above, yeah, 500. Yeah, next seven are, I mean. I mean, the Bulls are actually the worst of those eight teams, and yeah. that's the finale. <laughs> their, their next seven games are their toughest seven games, yeah. you know, of, of this stretch, of, of this 11, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, Boston – you know, and the crazy thing is Dallas, you know, Dallas is beating these teams. Yep. Um, but you've got Boston, Toronto's won five in a row. You know, Nurse is a great coach. Obviously, Finch got a lot of his stuff from Nurse if he got it from anybody. Um, and Phoenix and, and Milwaukee so, are maybe the you know best teams in each of their conferences. You, uh, a betting person could say that's the finals, you know, pretty uh, and, and not get too much pushback. Um, and so you got you got Phoenix, you got Milwaukee, you got two with Dallas, you got Denver. Um, so that's yeah, no then joke, you, man. It's no joke. Yeah, yeah. And and so I'm excited for let, it though, let, man. I'm excited to actually see because 
I do remain like I don't I don't discredit the 10 and 2 since the All-Star break completely, but right. I don't treat it like 10 and 2. It's like it's like 8 and 4 in my head or something because of the quality of Sure. Mostly so, OKC yeah, and Portland. Punt games. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Which I don't even mean that in a bad way. It's just like no. Well, it's like still super you, good. You know, <laughs> like, and and also it's 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 akin to when you look at the upcoming slate of teams the Wolves are chacing. Yeah. If you see a Houston or Portland or an OKC on their schedule, mm-hmm. you just say, well, they're not going to lose that game. You know. Right. Yeah. And if they do, it's like woo. You know, like. <laughs> uh, who did uh, Denver lost to a team? Oh, they lost to Portland or somebody, didn't they? Who did? Who did they Sacramento, lose to? Maybe. No, it was some team that was like yeah, worse than never oh, Detroit. I think Detroit beat them. Your team. Uh, Detroit, yeah, sneaky. I like Dwayne Casey, but anyway. Um, Have you ever told your I Dwayne think, Casey story on here? I I've told it so many times. I if people haven't heard my Dwayne Casey story by now, then you just haven't listened to me enough. <laughs> I'm going to tell it. So, right. so Britt like parks a handful of blocks away from target center. You have forever, obviously yeah. back to 2006 or whatever it was when. Yeah. Well, I, I, you up. in the old days and the really old days, you know, um, I used to park near city pages in what is now yeah. target field, you know, uh, miasma, you know, I mean, in the middle of that whole, you know, stuff. That's but, a word. My yeah, <laughs> and my 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 new uh, uh, parking spaces. Uh, I'll tell the secret. You know, you can park over by St. Thomas for mm-hmm. free after six Monday through Friday and all day on Saturday and Sunday. Now, don't take my spaces. You can mm-hmm. take it every now and then, but don't take my spaces. <laughs> <laughs> but you were walking there middle of winter. Right. Sometime after a game, and Dwayne Casey picked you up and drove you to your car. That's pretty. No, no. What happened was he oh, asked me if I wanted a ride. That's oh. right. He, I was walking along. I was near my car, so mm-hmm. I was quite a ways from Target Center. You know, like at least, like say six blocks. And all of a sudden, I hear Brit, Brit, <laughs> and I look over, and he's leaning over. Of course, you know he's on. You know, he's. I think he was headed the other way. All I know is he had to roll down his window on the passenger side and lean over and says. You need a ride? <laughs> did did the same thing ever happen with you and Tibbs? Oh yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dwayne Casey story aside, Levin Levin Games uh, left. We're we're in this run. You're talking about Toronto's. I mean, yeah, it's just it's all it's all hard teams. But I like I'm the Wolves like hard teams. Yeah, I, I think so. And and you know what? And if they go six and five in the final eleven, like. That will be, you know, underwhelming to some on the precedent that they've set of these first 12 games out of the break. But like, it we might still learn a lot about them. Yeah, we might still learn a lot about a, a six and five sort of run of this team, too. And that might actually be exceeding expectations or reasonable expectations for what it, for what it is. I, I'm just, well, let's say they go you know, three and eight, 44 and 38. You know, yeah. you're in you, then, you, you know, you're you're in the doorway. I think it's pretty difficult. Even a three and eight, they're going to get the seventh seed. I mean, seventh place. Yeah. They're going to host the seven, eight game. Right. And so let's say they don't take care of business. I, after watching last night, I don't care if Anthony Davis comes back or not. And LeBron is playing for his legacy. 
Um, New Orleans gives this team trouble, and now they have C.J. McCullough, too. I think I'd rather play the Lakers than the Pels. <laughs> I really do. I mean, Valanchunas gets under cap like no other guy right now except Embiid, you know, which is simply physical superiority with mm-hmm. Embiid. But Valanchunas plays the hand game and plays the, you know, the 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 rough stuff patty cake with Cat as much as any of his opponents. And that kind of stuff drives Cat crazy. And so um I I think I, I'm not I'm still not ruling out the six. I know, and and nor should you. I, I'm the one that said at the beginning of this thing, and one of the reasons I wrote the column today, ride a fairly huge chunk of sample size in that this team is a force to be reckoned with. Right. Whether or not they can, you know, beat really quality teams that have their own seating issues, and, and things are so fluid now that you don't really know. I mean, who wants to play Brooklyn in the first round? Some people are thinking, you know, don't get in that second seed or don't get in that first seed, depending on where Brooklyn eventually winds up. But there is all kinds of shenanigans that are going to come into play that will motivate or demotivate opponents. And so you don't really know how things are going to go. Plus the fact that you've got a situation where, as usual, you know, there are injuries, there's rest, there's, um, you know, somebody could, you know, lose their shit and get suspended for two games. We're getting, we're getting to the we're point close to that. <laughs> we're getting close to the 16 technical rule too, which, okay. you know, takes people out. Right. I, along those lines, actually, like I, I was thinking last night um, after the game and just, I mean, the wolves were very brazen in the way that they were respecting the the yeah. Lakers. And it got me thinking about Memphis. And um, they had, went on that 11-game winning streak earlier in the season. And I, I, was, I was at that. I was in Memphis for their 11th win in a row. And they all, like, you know, they were talking the whole time. After the game, they're all taking pictures as a team on the floor. And, like, the Wolves weren't about that, right? But right. The, the Memphis was like, I don't care. You know, like just a a more confident energy that like they had confidence, but now it's been like watered with an 11 game winning streak. Right. And and what's happened for Memphis since then is after that 11 game winning streak, they're actually 18 and eight since that, which is obviously still super. That's why they're the the two seed Right. right now. And sometimes once you have that confidence, like grow, metastasize and cement it it becomes powerful and and it isn't really a question of who are we playing can we beat them or not it's we can beat anybody because of who we are and i'm not i'm not trying to put the wolves at memphis's level they're one of the best teams in the nba right now but there's some of that same energy that i i feel with this wolves team right now that i felt with that memphis team at that time and it's one of those things that I think can allow you to predict a stronger finish to the season than the schedule might suggest. And Greg Popovich noticed it. I mean, I quoted him in the paper today. I saw it on the, on the Wolves broadcast. I thought of you right away when he said that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, 
he was saying, hey, you know, they think they're a hell of a team. That may sound trite, but they really believe it. Yeah. And harken back to, I, I'm a huge believer in what a coach defines as chemistry. I think it's one of the most revealing answers in terms of the personality of a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Flip Saunders said it was about pecking order and having the right people know that they have the the roles right. You know that they, they, they understand where things go. For Finch, it was the the belief that you will win the game when you come, not that you hope. And I picked up on that. Um, and I think you are right. Put it this way: you don't trash LeBron James's team unless you think you can get away with it. I mean, you know, uh, I might I might skip that activity altogether. If it was well, I mean, you and I would. But that's because we haven't been on this team, you know, rolling and rocking, you know, and yeah, maybe they'll get their comeuppance and maybe it's a little too early. Uh, You know, best case scenario, and I'm not the first person to say this, the Wolves are a year to 18 months behind Memphis's trajectory. Right. That's why I think is like, that's the interesting one, because I think it's a little bit of the Memphis energy of last year where it's like coming together at the right time, getting into the play in, winning it through the play in, getting there and like we're here. And then the right. next step of Memphis has been this year is that swag, that confidence, the winning streak, the dominance, um, the dominance forged in that confidence. And I think yep. the Wolves are somewhere between those two things. I think they already right. did the first step of the Memphis thing. I agree. You know, because it, they have a record that, you know, 41 and 30. I mean, let's say 41 and 30. And yeah, the West is down. And let's face it, games against 15 to the 12th place teams are far less rigorous than they have been in previous years. Um, but all that said. Uh, but even take off, th- say, Say three of the wins or whatever, like, aren't real. Give them 38 and 33 would still Take be eight really of the wins off <laughs> if you want. Take, you know, uh, you, all of a sudden you're still, you're still over 500 by, mm. you know, a decent amount. Right. All, I, all I want people to remember is what was your number at the beginning of the year? Yeah. What did you think this team was going to do? And if you were a guy that said the Wolves are, are a person, woman, who said the Wolves were going to win 45 or 48? Well, okay, you know, pat yourself on the back. You are, you have a better sense of things. I thought, but that's kind of like that's kind of like picking a 14 seed over a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, you can pick that to be cute, but you can't tell me that gun to your head. You think people, the 14 I mean, seed over the three seed? You know what I mean? I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to really talk to people about it to, to really get the sense. You're right. Some people, I don't even think just, the people you would have talked to thought this. <laughs> I have talked to those people. You've talked to those people. They didn't yeah. think this, they did not think this coming into the season. Well, they just certainly didn't think of it this way. And that's, what's been so entertaining. Right. You know, they didn't think that this team would win through camaraderie and accountability and defense for a while and a rotating cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And um, just before we leave, let's get into a little Malik Beasley numbers. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm the guy, I, when I looked it up today, I just, you know, my jaw hit the computer. It's like, oh, I've been, I've been having similar 49% moments. in the 12 games since the all-star break. Mm-hmm. He is 
I mean, that's a true shooting percentage of like 65, you know, just on three pointers, you know, it, and it, and it goes back. It, if you go back in Malik's game logs, the turning point is December 17th and, <laughs> and, and, and which is a long time ago, but like yes. split for that, or in other words, take out the first two months of the season. Right. And, and Malik Beasley has been exactly what you would have aspirationally hoped for him to be within realistic expectations. He doesn't have an off the dribble game. He's not going to not going to be a pick and roll ball handler, not going to be a lockdown defender. What he is going to be or what you hoped he would be is somebody who on high volume can make 40% of his threes and on defense can understand the scheme, even if he can't ex exercise it. He has right. been those two things with a bullet since December exactly. 17th when COVID hit the team. He moved into the starting lineup. He gathered a confidence in that time that he took with him back to the bench roll and has been rolling ever since. I mean, he's the highest volume three-point shooter in the league in that time and doing it on a better effectiveness than Steph Curry. And, you know, a lot of, I know Steph's, people are like, oh my God, Steph's only shooting 37% from three this year. And it, but it, I mean, it's because he takes the hardest threes, but Malik deserves some of that same sort of credit because his threes oftentimes are very difficult as well because he's just gunning them. You know, not, right. not Steph level difficult, right? but it's, but it's up there. It's hard. It's hard to take nine threes in a game in 24 minutes. Exactly. You're, you're and also, be taking hard ones. My, from my perspective, I just say, consider how valuable it is to have somebody come and give you like three threes in a five minute span. Totally. I mean, all of a sudden, boom, nine points. It's like, and and because because they happen like bang bang, very rarely is like Beasley shooting the three at the buzzer. Most of the time, you know, especially with McLaughlin on the floor, it's a lot of early action. Um, and yep. yeah, he, he he's constantly moving, so he is open. And but it can be like eight seconds on the clock or whatever, five seconds on the clock. But when you get those buckets and you don't have an offensive rebound and a lot of scrum, all of a sudden the person's just taking it out and everything, you tend to forget if you're kind of mentally tracking the score and just watching the game. And all of a sudden you look up after one of these little Beasley boomlets and you go, holy shit, you know, yeah. they're up seven, you know? Right. Well, right, but that it's like, it's, so the, it, it's, it's this, the pattern with this Wolves this year, all year, since they got their starting five, is it's like, okay, you know, flip a coin with the starting five, they're either going to be awesome, they're going to be forcing steals, and then they're going to get up in the first quarter by like 12 in that first stint before subs even get in, or the opposite is going to happen. And right. on that second path, you know, the Wolves are down by 10. The starters weren't locked in. They weren't, you know, they weren't scrambling. They weren't generating turnovers. And when that path is taken, you now have this out of Malik Beasley being able to pull you back into the game by one of those boomlets. Now it's not a, it's not a lock. It's not even a coin flip that he will do that, but he right. can. And so when but you get happens, on that bad, it, yeah, it's happened a ton. It's happened at least like five or six or seven times this season. You know, which that's, that's wins. That's wins. That's exactly that is a that's a huge flip. That's like, um, it's like cat getting thirty five instead of twenty five. Right. You know. Or whatever, you know, or, it's, or the, it's, the Philly game, man. The Philly game was the contra positive, if I'm saying that right. Like where 
he wasn't there and they got wasn't there and they got down by that 10 in the first six minutes and instead of malik be usually checking into the game right there and though and and then the rest of the bench too it ended up being a bench group of like you know, Jordan McLaughlin, Torian Prince, Jade McDaniels, Nasri. And no like, spacing. And right. No spacing and no no possibility for a boomlet. So I don't know what the odds are that the boomlet hits, but it hits, you know, right. 33% of the time. And and that is really valuable for this team when it either, if they have gotten the early lead, it extends the lead. Or if they've fallen back, it can bring them back in that time so when the starters get back out there it's even or close to and you know what's going to be really valuable when it's going to be really fun is when this team is an underdog in the first round and does that mm. that's when it's going to be fun all that of a sudden you know like too. <laughs> For i real. mean the wolves are down six mm-hmm. late in the first quarter and then two minutes into the second quarter they're up three you mm-hmm. know and i mean these, that's these- Four for six from three in that time. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, that will. I, I'm predicting that will happen in at least one of the first round games. I, I well, again, well, that's the as I said, 33. Might I mean the odds might be twice. Teddy does, and then right. then the other right. five exactly. games, the other five games, you might be one for nine. <laughs> but like that, that that is. But Finch are yeah. low enough to get. I mean, Finch does have a pretty good sense of when Beasley's on and when he's not. Well, when he's like not as. I mean, the the cat sixty point game. Beasley put up the zeros across the board box score. I know he had because a trillion. They didn't need it. Yeah, they, yeah, they <laughs> did. I mean, and, and that's a bad game by Malik, but it's also a game where they didn't need right. the boomlet, right? Right. They weren't right. even going to him because it was like feed cat, feed cat. You know, like right. let let him go and and Malik. But the thing is, is in that trillion, like part of the reason Cat got sixty is the spacing. Exactly. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Spacing gets. I don't know if it gets a bad rap or it's just like this this saying. People think it's like a saying when things aren't working. Oh, well, if they just had more spacing. Like with the Wolves, it's a good example of spacing because they can survive without spacing. They have all year when the Vanderbilt minutes. But it's a it's a whole different level. It's a whole they go they can go to another level offensively with spacing. Well, let's just put two and two together. You said the turning point for Beasley was December 17th. Mm-hmm. The turning point for this team's offense was two weeks later. Yep. Well, and the, in COVID those stretch, two weeks, yep. in those two weeks, everybody was sick. So <laughs> essentially, what you're saying is once Beasley and the rest of the team hmm. were healthy and humming, I mean, the offense went right. nuts. Once Beasley you know? got right, and then once the starters got back right. And then over. boom, Pat Bev. Uh, lately, it's been Pat Bev, you yeah. know, yeah. can't miss. I mean, it's that's again, you know, it's uh, it's a fun team right now. It is, it is. Um, and and Britt, you you wrote about the fun of it as number one Wolves media stand. Um, it's up at binpost.com. <laughs> the Wolves look to make their closing argument that they are, yes, pretty damn good. Um, read Britt's column there at minpost. And then Britt, just briefly, I mentioned this on the pod last night, but uh, we, I've recruited you to also come to uh to forgotten star brewery on sure. uh march 27th it's a does it count as afternoon if it's a 5 p.m tip is that an afternoon tip or an early evening tip well now that we have permanent daylight saving time i don't think we have any idea whether it's afternoon or evening anymore <laughs> well if it's afternoon right, or evening, right. we'll still be there um if i'm having a beer at 5 10 i think it's the evening 
I think that's going to be you here in about one hour. Maybe, maybe <laughs> well, on days I write, yeah, it goes without saying that <laughs> the beer is waiting for me. Um, the beer will be waiting for, for people to, to come consume at uh, Forgotten Star 2. I, I mean, it's something I wish we could have done a little bit more of over the course of the year. Well, we had to bag it. Yeah. You know, we were ready to do it. Um, it was actually Dallas. Evening. Yeah, it was the Dallas last Dallas game. In the last Dallas. Dallas game, right? Which I think actually went terrible. Wasn't that the game that Chris? That was December then, so it was December. Yeah, yeah well, and, I got COVID. It was like yeah. right in the middle. In fact, you got COVID. That's yeah, from why you the team. Didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. I had to bag out because I'm saying, nah, I don't like the right. numbers. And right. you know, I guess it's always possible we shouldn't totally count our chickens. Mm-hmm. Although I'm going to lose a lot of money on scheduled flights, I'll tell you right now if it comes back roaring soon. But I will say that uh, I'll be there at Forgotten Star unless uh, the pandemic lays siege to us again. And uh, otherwise, what is it? It's, it's ten days from now, right? I know. Today, Should 17th. be fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, it would be cruel if we have like what if we had like a week of uh, yeah. you know are we we're between the variants right now or whatever. So. Yeah, knock on wood. Um, yeah, but we'll be there. It'd be fun to to see people. It won't. It's just going to be a. They're going to set up a big projection screen. Just be the the game will be on. We'll be there uh, watching it. Say hi to to those of you who want to want to come join us. I mean, I just think like to the point of the column, to the point of what I was talking about. Like, ride the wave. Ride the wave because you don't know. You don't know right. how. And and that could be a whole bunch of different reasons. Not to be like. Negative Nancy, I'm just saying when the wave is up, like get on, right. it, you know, and get your board up. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. It'll be fun to uh, connect, connect with some people. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's Boston in Boston. Uh, going to be a, they, I don't think the Wolves will be favored in that. It'll be a tough game, no, but, tough game. but all the, you know, all the better. And also afternoon. Had. They've never been a great afternoon. Well, I thought, I thought it was evening. In, in Boston, it'll be six o'clock. In Boston, it'll be, <laughs> six, right. it'll be o'clock. six o'clock. Good point. <laughs> um, okay, so come out to Forgotten Star uh, on on March twenty seventh. I'll keep bugging you guys uh, about that on the Gamer Pods. Read Britt's piece up at MinPost. Britt, I appreciate doing it, and uh, maybe I'll see you tomorrow at practice. Yeah, I think I might make it. All right, sounds good. He's Britt. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I will be back to talk to you after the Milwaukee game on Saturday night. Till then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.